Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and does not replace your own financial, tax, legal, or financial product advice. Hey Australia, Glenn James here. Today on the podcast, we are talking about the gender super gap and I've got a friend of the podcast, Pascal Helia More, to join me today. G'day Pascal, how are you? I'm very well, thanks Glenn. Thanks for having me. Well, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you. Privileged to be here. Now, you've got a couple of hats that you wear. You are a board member of the Gender Equality Council and we'll talk about that in a moment. You also are the founder of Super Awards. Yes. And that's a program about, you know, putting extra money into super and if you want to know more about uh, what Pascal's doing there, you can just refer back at the start of the year. We did a whole episode on Super Awards, so you can go back and eat that up there. And I might swing around at the end of this episode and just ask how you're going with that. Sure. Uh, but I guess I, you know, these issues, you know, there's only so much I can do with a microphone, right? Yes. But I think it's more around the awareness. So if we can just... Certainly highlight what's going on, highlight sure. the data, sure. make people aware and yes. encourage people to maybe take a different course of action. Absolutely. Uh, if they, you know, see inklings of these things in their life or career. Now, what are you doing at the Gender Equality Council? Maybe start by talking to us about uh, the non-for-profit, sure. what they're doing yes. uh, and what you're seeing out there and then we might uh, move on to talk about some other juicy stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So it's, we call it AJEC for short. So the Australian Gender Equality Council. And, you know, AJEC is really a startup as well, right? So we launched in September 2018, so uh, two years ago. And we are a not for profit, entirely staffed by volunteers. No one gets paid. I just want to be really clear about that. And we do this uh, at the edges of life, right, in between our our other jobs and our families and and so on. But essentially we're a group of very well-connected people uh, and, you know, with access to resource and networks and so on. And it's a group of people who feel obviously very passionate about the state of gender equality or or rather gender inequality uh, in Australia – and our chair, uh, Victoria Weeks, um, very senior in uh, financial services, she instigated the whole uh, Bring Your Daughters to Work Day uh, many years ago. Uh, she essentially became really pissed off, <laughs> pardon the French, with a luck- lack of government action, mm. right, on, on this front. And so when we, when we launched a couple of years ago, we had – uh, you know, our launch campaign, which was uh, tremendously successful by all accounts. So the way that we work is that we have 22 member organisations now, you know, and our member organisation might be something like um, Women in Super or Women in Technology or Women in STEM or, my favourite, Women in Drinks. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, between our member organisations, they have reached to over half a million uh, women. Now, what 
what we do at the council is we uh, commission or we undertake research in conjunction with the University of Queensland uh, Business School. And we uh, try and break down some of the, the myths uh, surrounding gender equality. Uh, and then we use the, the report's findings or the research findings to influence government, influence corporate Australia and influence the everyday consumer to try and educate them because the state of gender equality in Australia is is parlous, right? Um, what do I mean by that? Well, the gender pay gap sits at 14%, but if you look at total remuneration, it sits at 22%, okay? So what that means is, of course, it has significant impact for a woman's superannuation, and I know we'll come to that shortly. Another key statistic is, of course, that, that women do retire with 58% as much superannuation as men. 58% less. So they retire with 58% as much or 42% less. Right, yes. right, yes. Sorry. Yes, yes, yes. Yep. Which, I'm basic. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, I always like to, to extrapolate those stats um, because we hear so many stats every day. But what that means is, uh, you know, on current trends, women retire with only enough super to live on for six years. But then they live another 14. Mm. And then a third, one of the other key planks of our launch campaign was the fact that even in Australia, we pay our daughters 26% less pocket money than we pay our sons. So this gender inequality is so ingrained culturally, right, Mm. that is it, if we're paying our daughters 26% less pocket money for you're doing household chores, is it any surprise that that women retire with 58% as much mm. retirement as, as men? Do you think uh, as time goes on, like you talk about women versus men, like yep. does the Gender Equality Council, like because it's probably more about just equality because if someone's gender diverse or non-binary, yep. Yep. Um, we have to consider all people. Yes. And yep. there could be, you know, the data here and we're going to talk about the um, – the gender pay gap. Yes. But there could be males who are getting taken advantage of in the workforce on an individual basis. Absolutely. But I I guess we just need to be aware of this data. Yes. And uh, so if everyone wants information, you can actually type uh, workplace gender equality agency and it's a government agency. That's right. So WGEA, they released in February at the start of the year, I think the stats from 2019 and – Yes, on aggregate, you know, 13.9% is the gender pay gap. Correct. We'll round it up to 14, as you said. Yep. And the full-time average weekly earnings of men is mm-hmm. 17.51. Mm-hmm. Uh, the full-time average weekly earnings of women is $1,508. Yes. The lowest gap in Australia is the ACT of just under 9% yes. and the highest is Western Australia at 22%. Yes. And the lowest industry in terms of the gap yes. is uh, public administration and safety. Correct. Whatever that is. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know what safety <laughs> is. Are we going around doing um, yeah. high vis where? Um, <laughs> and the highest is in healthcare and social services at 22%. Now the – and this is the thing, Pascal, it's like I struggle to get my head around this yep, sure. because it's so nuanced. It is so complex. Yep. Like I was thinking driving here, it's like if like we can all agree, like if it leads into the super, if you work less, yes, you will have less money in super. 
Correct. Regardless of your gender. Correct. But we just need to ensure that if you are working, you're yes. on the same playing field. That's exactly right. Now, the and this is – so the, the gender pay gap, what they do is they – if you haven't heard of um, how the government kind of commissioned these reports – any organisation that employ over 100 people yes. have to fill out this data. Yes. So it's, you know, don't worry about the local fish and chip shop no, with no, three no. people. Yes. So it's kind of like anything. It's a broad brushstroke, but broad brushstrokes show you trends and That's they right. show you stuff that we can look at. That's right. Yes. And basically how they work it out, and I'll just read it because it's just, it's so interesting to know the gender pay gap is influenced by a number of factors, including discrimination and bias in hiring and pay decisions, Mm -hmm. women and men working in different industries and different jobs with female dominated industries and jobs attracting lower wages. Yes. Woman's disappropriate share of unpaid caring and domestic work. That's right. Lack of flexibility to accommodate caring and other responsibilities, especially in senior roles. Women's greater time out of the workforce uh, impacting career progressions and opportunities. So, again, it is a broad thing, but I guess the good news is it is a trend down and in November 2014 it was kind of the peak since 1999. So we are trending down. That's right. I mean, it, it, I hear a butt coming. Yeah, it, it is somewhat <laughs> cyclical. But I think maybe if I take a step back, so the, I think the point you were trying to make is um, that the gender pay gap it does not reflect, uh, you know, a man and a woman doing the same role in the same company and her being paid less. No, that that's correct. It, it does not reflect that because that would be contravening the Equal Pay Act, which was legislated in 1969. Yes. The gender pay gap is an expression of women's earnings on a full-time basis versus Versus men's mm. uh, weekly wage earnings. Yeah, so I was thinking like it's in, so confusing. Yeah, in the most purest way. Yeah, is it best to do these surveys with people who have male and female yeah. who have never taken time out of the workforce just to get a benchmark? Because if I've right. taken ten years out of the workforce, yes, I might not have the experience. I might be behind in technology. Yeah, I'm going to be behind naturally maybe in a selection process yes and that's what i mean like i know one thing whenever we pick up these microphones i can't please everyone and i insult a lot of people but i think the thing we need to highlight as i said at the start it is nuanced and we just need to be aware so if you do employ people and there's a lot of people that employ people that listen to this podcast yes don't you bloody dare pay someone less because of their gender (laughs) like no forget the awards exactly Exactly. Don't be a scumbag in your private business. That's and right. Go. Oh, we don't have awards. We just pay above the minimum wage, so we can pay whatever. That's right. That's right. Pull your freaking head in and look after people. Yes, exactly. But the the other thing to recognise, and and when you were talking about the different sectors, um, you know, so it's lowest in Australia in in ACT. That's because it's government, right? Exactly. <laughs> and so they're and they're not going to contravene their own law, right? But but Western Australia, well, you know. And Western Australia, like I know more FIFO minors than a exactly. male and female. Exactly, which brings me to my next point, which is the gender pay gap, um, you know, varies between sector. So, mm. you know, mining is one of the worst sectors in terms of the gender pay gap, as is financial services. Financial services is persistently and repeatedly the worst offender on this front with a gender pay gap on average of like 31%. Mm which doesn't really move over time. And and you think to yourself, well, you know, how is that possible when we've got so increasing awareness, to your point, but it is, it's because there are fewer and fewer 
women working full time in financial services compared to men. So, yeah. and, th- and that's what I mean. Like it is, you know, someone might be thinking, oh, what do you talk about this for? I'm here to talk about super. Yeah. Well, it's material because if you earn right. less and you work less, yeah. you will have less money in your super. Yes. Like, yes. That's fact. Absolute fact. And I'm going to share some stats with you around workforce participation because, of course, this is also a huge influencer in, in the gender super gap. So if let's think about the population of women in the accumulation phase, right? So age 18 to 64 in Australia, 7 million, give or take. Of the 7 million, only 24% are in full-time work. 24%. Mm. And compared to men, there's 48% of men who are full-time work. Is that a ref- – and, and then I'll just share some more yeah, stats yeah, on the women. That. And I'll just add that Pascal, yeah. she does not have any pen or paper. She's no. just walked in <laughs> and I've got kicking yeah, ass and taking names. And <laughs> That's right. Um, and then if we th- continue to think about that cohort of women, so 24% work full-time, 36% work part-time or casually because they're juggling families and, and so on, 40% are not in the workforce. And, I mean, you were talking earlier about the haters and can't please everyone, et cetera, and my goodness me, I've been trolled as well on socials yeah. uh, for this. But, um, the here, you know, and it's typically around this point that a troll would come in and say, well, women just need to work. Women do work. So with the 40% of women who are not in the workforce, sure, absolutely, some of them can afford not to work. Happy days, fantastic. But for a large number, you know, a lot of women do want to be in paid employment, but either they have uh, cultural responsibilities where they're expected to stay at home and look after the kids or the family or the community, or the cost of childcare is actually actively pricing them out of returning to work. So the and I'll just share another stat with you. So the cost of two children in full-time childcare. So Johnny and Jane full-time childcare. The cost of that is actually greater than the average woman's full-time salary. So yeah. if you're considering if you've got Johnny and Jane and you're considering going back to work, you want to, but then you do the maths and you go, "Hang on, I'm going to be sending the family backwards." If I go back to work, like yeah, it's a non-starter. It, it's a non-starter, right? but I mean, it's it's that kind of, and I can't speak on behalf of anyone other than me. I can sure. barely do that um, <laughs> on a good day. Yeah, <laughs> but it's that kind of. It's like, yeah, it's a no-brainer that you need to stay at home and care for the kids because it's actually cheaper, um, sure, or whatever. But it's like, is that. Because I'm asking questions that I know people will be thinking as well. So sure, I'll just throw it out there. Yeah. Um, no one's making anyone start a family. No. So we have to lay in the bed we make for ourselves. Yes. And I know my sister particularly struggled with this okay. from a, uh, you know, she had Grace and two years later had twins and, you know, three years out of the workforce, she was, her brain was mushing up and she was sick of talking wiggles. So... 100%. It was that um, issue. It's like, how do I get out of the house and talk to an adult? So I totally get it. Yeah. But for a period of our life, yeah, 
we have to lay in the bed we make. But also, like, there's not everyone who's in a household unit with multiple partners. There's single mums listening. There's single Absolutely. dads listening. Yeah. So I guess I'm saying I don't know if there is an answer other than there are a lot of situations that suck. Yes. And if you are in one of those situations, yes. I want to encourage you. We are here to encourage you. <laughs> like, yeah. just hang in there. Yeah. And yeah, I, I don't know. I'm just talking. I, now. Look, I I I, to- I get it. Yeah. Right. I. And and I've been in your sister's shoes. And here's here's the thing, you know, I was in corporate, fi- you know, Australia, earning a very nice salary, thank you very much. Yeah. And I was pretty literate about super because I was I used to write the brochures mm. on super, so I I probably knew more than most. Yeah. But at no point of my, um, and I, I speak like you, I speak personally, but I can speak for my for circle of friends as well. At no point in my, you know, fa- like family planning journey, if we want to call it that, with my 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 husband, did I stop to think what this would mean for my super? Mm. And if I didn't think of it, who else is going to think of yeah. it? Yeah. So yes, I accept that it is a choice to have children, but no, a a you don't do the maths because we don't talk about superannuation generally, um, and b. You know, of he and I, I was the only one that could have a family. <laughs> like I could, I, I was the only person that could actually have the, you know, yeah. had the right equipment. <laughs> it's it's pretty much stating the obvious, but until like your kids are in primary school, yeah, it's a fluid week by week situation. Most oh of the time. my lord, fluid. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know anything. AKA but... chaos. But yes, yes, exactly, so exactly. It, it might be one of those things, particularly if one of the spouse wants to stay at home. And yep. is the higher income earner? Yep, that can be some big structural changes in terms of where Ab- we live, how we live. Absolutely, all, all of the above, all of the above. So, you know what? What I really think needs to happen, and this is speaking personally, this is not on behalf of the council, is that we need to find, as a country, right? We, we can't have forty percent of fifty-one percent of the population not in the workforce. Right, and you know how the US do it. So, our number in Australia, just to remember, um, the the proportion of women in full time work is twenty four percent. In America, that's closer to fifty percent. Good Lord, you say, how do they do it? Guess what? They tie social security payments to full time work, mm. and they also have a, a different childcare model. So, childcare is more affordable. Uh, women want to go back or have are not priced out of returning to work. Probably less regulated in the States, the childcare, so it's cheaper. (laughs) Probably, probably. So, you know, there's a few things that I think we need to do as a country to, you know, remove the barrier for for women, the economic barrier for women Mm. returning to work. Is that to make childcare tax deductible? Now, I have actually made that suggestion to Treasury and uh, this was a few years ago and there was a lot of, you know, sucking of teeth and it's very expensive was there a comment to got well, you know, to have that proportion of your population not in in the workforce is also very expensive. It's kind of like I see childcare and I'm going out on a big limb here, so hang in there, people. Um, go, go, Glenn. You know, like we – for our society to function, we need to – if there's a fire, we pick up the phone and the fire brigade come. For our society to function, we pick up the phone uh, if we're – having a medical emergency, the yes. ambulance comes. Yes. Okay. We pick up the phone if we're getting robbed and the police come. Although I called the police once when there was a domestic violence case next door 
Yeah. I called the local police station. They said, oh, you're better off just to call triple zero. Like they didn't care. Anyway, um, oh. <laughs> I'm like, oh, thanks. Confidence. <laughs> thanks, guys. <laughs> but okay. as a society to run, yeah. I see education is important. Yes. And childcare is in that as well. Yes. Not not necessarily that we're sending it's out a two-year-old to learn yeah. English, yeah. but it allows the parents to be financially strong because they can go and earn money. Yeah. That's so exactly it's right. strong parents, strong families, Yes. strong individuals, strong family. Yeah. I'm so beyond the scope of my expertise t- talking about this stuff, but I just think, yeah, back to my comment about, you know, because I want to be clear, I'm not having a go at everyone for having family, but before you make the decision to start a family, yeah. Just you just have to look at the financials and yeah. plan for it somehow. Yes. And, and, and there's no right or wrong time to start a family. My thing nope. is if you're up to your eyeballs in debt and maybe you can see a way out of the credit card debt and the personal loan debt mm-hmm. within the next two years, mm-hmm. sure, it might be comfortable just to hold off 10 minutes, yep. clean the debt up. Yep. But if you're like, all right, well, we're in a freaking financial mess for the next eight years, you're not bloody waiting. So no. everyone's no. situation is different. Absolutely. Uh, the only other thing I would say, like the government, um, you know, paid parental leave. Yes. You often wonder whether they need to have a an SG portion in that. Yeah. That goes on top. It's just a deemed amount that Why goes not? into super. I, I think it should be, right? So, because- yeah, I mean, it's, it's complex discussion and, again, we don't have any. There's no silver bullet. So, there's no silver bullet. No. So. Other than awareness. Awareness, yeah. Yeah. So we acknowledge the gender pay gap in any form. Uh, And, you know, when all this gender pay gap thing really started to come to light, I must live in a bubble because I didn't see it. So, you know, I had clients, you know, they were both working there, like two clients, same job, same hospital, both on the same award. Mm -hmm. And I think it's different just from me learning about this crap. Yeah. Yeah, the award's cute. Not everyone uses the award. Like government will use the award or if you want to pay the award. Yeah. The award doesn't say uh, pay chicks this, pay guys that. Yeah. But again, it is nuanced with um, when you're out of that award in the free market. Yeah. The free market is where people get taken advantage of. Yes. Uh, I'm not a socialist by any means, but I think we have a responsibility to have an equal playing field. Absolutely. So... The gender super gap. Yes. Let's talk some stats, particularly around super balances, and then I'm probably just going to share with Pascal some things that I've looked at mm-hmm. um, of how to kind of boost our super. Yes. Uh, when and to be honest, this kind of stuff with the gender super gap. When I talk about money, I'm really talking about looking after. If it's a family unit and there's a spouse that's staying home, male, female or other, yep. it doesn't really matter that it's male or female, but it's we just need to pay attention if someone's taking time out of the workforce. Yeah. I think it, the shoe can fit there as well. Do you want to give us a TED talk around the super gap stats? Sure, sure. So super the super gap, as, as we touched on before, so women retire with 58% as much or 42% less and those stats come from ASFA – uh, you know, superannuation account balances by age and gender, October 2017, check it out. But the where we land and the reason that the super gap occurs is for a combination of the factors we've just already covered. So, the, the, you know, the gender pay gap, 
um, time out of the workforce and then the type of work women do because far more women do part-time and casual work compared to men. So all these things add up. And what this means is that on current trends, half of women age 65 are retiring with no super. So 50% of women age 65 and up retire with no super. And that's partly because they were on the cusp of like being in the workforce or stepping out when super was introduced. That's exactly right. In other shocking statistics, so 40% of single women um, retire into poverty. Now, if you think about the fact that one in three women in Australia enters uh, retirement single, then we can extrapolate and say, okay, well, that overall number, becomes one in six women. What's the definition use uh, of poverty when you reference that? Is that living on a government pension only? Yes, at at best. Yeah. Yeah. So there's – and sometimes the, you know, the the pension is obviously – there are a number of complicating factors like your assets, et cetera, et cetera. But, yeah, let's just go with government pension. Yeah, so um, because, yeah, a a lot of the older clients that I've had – it's like this goal. I've paid tax all my life. I'm I'm getting my yeah. bloody pension. I'm like, oh, well, if you want to aim for thirty grand a year, knock yourself out. Yeah, uh, I know it doesn't go far. Absolutely not. Like thirty grand a year is, and and it assumes home ownership. Yeah, which is a big, big, big trap for young players, because if you uh, can barely afford to keep the lights on and you're eating baked beans and maybe there are a couple of you know, uh, you know, low budget holidays each year at best. None of that is going to happen if you also have to pay rent and or mortgage. Yeah, there's a slightly higher rate uh, for non-homeowner, but I mean, it's either or, marginal. if you're relying only on the pension, yes, uh, it might be tight if you've come off an 80k income. Yeah, to retire. Yeah, yeah. yeah I guess yeah. that's all I'm saying. Exactly. If you're after personal financial advice, don't get it from a podcast. If you would like help based on your own personal situation, head over to sortyourmoneyout.com. Click get help and we'd be happy to introduce you to one of our trusted advisors. We also have a panel of trusted mortgage brokers we can connect you with to get you into your first home, an investment property purchase, or to review your current loan if you don't have a broker. Our panel of advisors, mortgage brokers, and accountants work with clients all over Australia so they can connect with you wherever you are. That's sortyourmoneyout.com and click get help. So the and just jumping back to more uh, stats around the super gap. So the fastest growing demographic of homeless people in Australia, because we all I don't know we all tend to think of homeless men sleeping rough on the street or, or so on, but it's actually the 50, 55 year old woman and up that's the fastest growing demographic of homeless people. And the reason for that is because similarly, you know, uh, superannuation was introduced, she stepped out of the workforce and he said, oh, you know, don't worry about going back to work, I'll look after you. Uh, so she stayed home, looked after the children, sort of done the right thing kind of thing. Um, and then, uh, you know, in early 50s, there's some kind of marital breakdown and uh, she, you know, while the theory says that she should get half the assets, often it doesn't actually work out that way. So she finds herself, you know, um, couch surfing or living in a van or whatever. And the reason that we don't see, and there's quite a lot of um, media about this, the the reason that we don't see these women sleeping on the streets is because there's a different sense of pride. There's shame, right? There's shame. So they, they, you will, they will couch surf rather than live rough, that kind of thing. Mm. Yeah. Wild. Now, I guess I wanted to just kind of talk financially 
if somebody was, and I'll, I'll just use a, a basic example. There's there's three ways of getting extra money into a non-working spouse's super. Yes. Okay. The first one I'll talk about is they call it contribution splitting. So effectively, broad brushstroke, and you can just search uh, ATO contribution splitting and they give examples. It's clear. It's really easy to understand. But basically what you do is at the end of the financial year, if uh, if someone I've, – I've made the example. If someone was earning 60K – plus super, there would be 5,700 per year going into the super fund before tax, okay? What you can do at the end of the financial year, you can write, fill out the ATO form, send it to your super fund Mm -hmm. and say, I want to contribute, I want to contribute, you can do up to 85% of the SG contribution into my spouse's super. Mm -hmm. So for example, you might – and actually, I'll go on because I've kind of worked out if we did a combination of these three things for three years, if there was a non-working spouse that wanted to take three years off the workforce, I've just kind of painted this. Again, you've got to have the um, spare money to do the other two because if you're on 60 grand, it, it's going to be pretty tight anyway. Yeah. Uh, but I've just used that just as a nominal example. Yeah. So, yeah, so contribution splitting, end of the financial year – you can elect the main superannuant can elect to split a contribution that they've received in their super account to a spouse's account mm-hmm. up to 85% of what went in. Now, there are some nuanced things and the older you get in terms of financial planning strategy, it might be different because you might want to put more in the spouse's account if they're older to get money out of super sooner you might want to load up the younger person super to get the older person age pension strategy so again everything's nuanced and it's not personal advice so i've used the example if we did two thousand five hundred dollars for three years Mm -hmm. that's seven and a half grand in the spouse's super account the the non-working spouse yeah yeah and that's without putting any of your own money in it's pretty good. Even if you did 50% while yeah. there was a non-working spouse. Yeah. I mean, this contribution splitting, it is a thing that no one talks about in the financial advice industry. You never hear it. You never hear it. No. Never no. hear it. It's it's just a really good way to level out yep. some contributions between the spouses. Yes. So that's the first one, contribution splitting, check out the ATO. The second one is it, it's the co-contribution. So it's the government co-contribution. Yes. So basically if you earn under 40 grand at the moment and it's 39,837 a year, uh, you can put – the government will match your contribution 50% up to $500. So the long and the short of it is if you put $1,000 into your super fund and you were earning under 40K, mm-hmm. you would get $500 from the government. Yep. So – $1,500 per year can go into that super fund. Again, if we did that for three years, $4,500. Yes. Okay. Now, the next one might, you know, I don't know if it would work too much on this. Uh, you'd have to have a bit of money floating around if you're earning uh, the 60000 for this one because things will get bloody tight if you're starting a family. But go with me, everyone. The spouse contribution, basically what you do is if – the spouse earns under 40K a year, the lower earning spouse or the non-working spouse, and you put 
$3,000 into the super fund, the higher earner spouse or the one that contributed, quote unquote, will get a $540 tax offset. So they get basically the donor spouse gets an 18% tax offset on their tax return Mm -hmm. up to $540. Mm -hmm. So the kind of top end of it is you put $3,000 in the super fund. Yep. The donor spouse gets a $540 tax offset, which is probably nominal anyway, but we'll take what we can get. Yes. So if we did three grand a year for three years, that's nine grand, right? Yep. So if there was a bit of money laying around, you know, you might have lined your ducks up pretty well, you know, had an offset account or paid down the mortgage or Mm -hmm. had some good savings behind you or whatever before you started a family or if somebody was taking time out of the workforce, there are ways to boost the lower income earner super. Yes. So what I did, if we did all three for three years, yes, the net wash up would be the spouse would have $21,000 more in their super, okay? The cool thing is I just put it in – I went to the Money Spark calculator and you can do this yourself. Yes. Not including uh, tax and inflation. So give me grace there, everyone. Yes, yes, yes. Not including the $21,000 but just the investment return off that $21,000 over 30 years would be $208,000. Nice. So, again, if you did half of that, it's – you know, it could be 100 grand. Exactly. So, again, this awareness piece, Yes, it's just there are options yes. with putting money in the lower income earner or the spouse who's not at the workforce for a period of time. Exactly. And all of those options you just set out, they it's not like you can do one but not the other. You can do all three. You can do all three. Yeah. You can do one or the other. Mm-hmm. Uh, you And, you know, I love this uh, – the uh, – contribution splitting because Mm. it's a way to do it that doesn't impact your personal cash flow. Yes. So if the higher income owner was on a hundred grand and there was 10 grand going to their super every year, fill out a form. You both have to sign it and send five grand over to the spouse's other super done. Shut up. See you later. (laughs) You're out of a job, Pascal. I'm taking over. (laughs) Let's do this baby. Um, So again, I want you to, Get advice on your own situation, number yes, one. number one. Uh, and that could be talking to your financial advisor and a lot of you have uh, a relationship with a financial advisor because you are starting a family, you need bloody life insurance. Um, sorry, I get passionate. <laughs> I've had people die and leave families behind. Um, yeah. So, yeah, check the ATO website, contribution splitting, co-contribution and spouse contribution, those three pages on the ATO website. Really easy. There are examples. You could probably do it all yourself, but I'll always say get advice. Exactly. So that's huge. Yeah. I, all those all those three things, huge. Yep. And you know, what if we just did it over a three year period? Yeah. Doesn't or, have to be forever. Doesn't have to be forever. Try, or yeah. if the lower income earner does go back to work, the threshold's forty grand. Oh right. So they all work if the lower income owner is earning to up to 40 grand. So yeah. it is possible. And that's why it's just so important to build your financial life without friggin' personal loans, without freaking yeah. afterpay. You've got to have your house in order. Yes. Because things are easier to manage. Yeah. And that's not even looking at salary sacrificing. No. Like putting exactly. extra money, quote unquote, in. Exactly. 
Exactly. Um, and I think on that whole concept of spousal splitting, and I say this playing devil's advocate just because I've, I've been trolled on this myself, mm. when there are, of course, there's a segment of people who say, oh, spousal splitting, um, why, would I, why would I do that? It's my money. I've earned it, yada, yada, yada. And and I think when, you know... Well, the, with that attitude, piss off, go and be single. Uh, yeah, exactly. If, if you don't want someone to, you know, run the house and raise the kids, then good luck to you. But um, what I would say on that is, you know, I, and particularly with gender equality, you know, a lot of people get really worked up and go, oh, you know, women's sort of betterment, like, you know, redressing these inequalities must come at men's expense. And I, I could not disagree more. I take the view that, okay, if everyone is uh, better off in, you know, in wealth and health and in retirement, guess what? The better we all do as a society because, you know, if if we have – if we don't have women retiring into poverty and if we don't have men retiring into poverty, then there's less – load on the government mm. and guess what if there's less load on the government then there's less load on the taxpayer so actually it's in everyone's in you know best interests to try to strive for a more gender equal society yeah i'd rather get my in- income long term from my own control rather than having to fill out a centrelink form every six months yeah yeah exactly so Anyway. Mm. So there you go. Lots of options. Uh, it's just raising the awareness this Super September. Yes. Uh, also, if you've got multiple super funds with multiple insurances, go to sortyourmoneyout.com, click get help. I can introduce you to an advisor who can review your insurances because you don't want to roll your super over and cancel insurances if you don't have adequate cover. You need to look at your fees. I wouldn't suggest you'd want to pay more than 1% in super fees. Um, again, I'm not setting market prices, but just a broad brushstroke. Uh, yep. Really just pay attention. Yes. Uh, if you look at index fund options inside your super, it's going to be cheaper. But really just super September is about a pulse check. Yes. You, you, once a year you pay attention to your super, it is September. Yes. It's a bit of a nothing month anyway. <laughs> yeah. Well, this whole 2020 is a bit of a nothing <laughs> year. What the hell happened? Yeah. <laughs> no, it's so funny. Well, yeah, because when we last sat down. I know. It was in start of end of January, start of February. Yeah. I went to the States. That's right. Got home. It was March and COVID hit. So I. You were so lucky to get home. Yeah. I know. It was. Really? You could, you know. could still be there. I know. Yeah. Uh, <sighs> So, Ew. thanks for having the chat. Now, just give us an update. How's Super Awards going? Uh, really well. Yeah, really, really well. So, we're in partnership with a number of super funds. So, that's pretty exciting. I can't disclose any just yet. Ooh. So, we're you know we've we've we're building an API um, to be basically to license our technology to super funds. So, put very simply, what that means is that you will, if you're in one of those funds, you will come to your super fund to do your online shopping and, and, and other things. It's almost things. like a member benefits play. Yeah, to earn super. So yeah. you come to your super to earn super. Yeah. That's yeah. it. That's yeah. the very basic value proposition. So yeah. um, that's been keeping us all uh, very busy, as you can imagine. Well, there you yeah. go. So, yeah, so Super Awards. Check out the other episode we did at the start of the year because it is a deep dive. And Absolutely. It's, you're shopping anyway, so why not get cash back and put it in your super fund? Exactly. And COVID has 
you know what? I feel COVID has been the kick in the pants that Australia has needed from a, an e-commerce perspective to just get us all online where we weren't. Mm. So prior to COVID, uh, the proportion of online shopping as a function of retail sales was 9%. Post-COVID, it's now sitting at 12%. I'm actually surprised it's not higher, but oh, wow. but it, we've seen a remarkable step change as a, as a nation because guess what? We've had to do it. I, I'm obviously not the only one, but I'm kind of know the three couriers now. The, the different <laughs> First companies. name basis. <laughs> uh, well, actually, I know the postman because Australia Post put things in the motorbike, and he'll yes. drive up to the driveway and give it to me. I know like the the toll guy, yeah. the couriers now or whatever it is. Uh, Star Trek. It's yeah. um yeah, it's been pretty fun. Yep, absolutely. And yeah. I sometimes I you know the door goes and it's a courier, and I'm thinking. Oh, I can't remember what I ordered. (laughs) So there you go. So remember, everyone, jump on to Instagram. There's some posts uh, up there around super, do the super health check. Yes. And, yeah, again, I can't stress enough that looking at the contribution splitting because that's that's an easy one for a family unit uh, to shuffle some money uh, across to the other super fund. Yes. I mean, there are some things, you know, the other, the the receiving partner can't have more than 500 grand in their super and blah, blah, blah. You know, that's not going to really affect anyone. But uh, it's just, it is a magical bit of legislation. Yes. Uh, that is out there. Yep. And if you think Take it's- Take advantage. And if you think, no, nah, my super's mine, he or she can piss off. Well, I would suggest you've got bigger problems because- you're in the relationship or you're not. Exactly. You know, is, is this a partnership yeah, or is it? They can have my time. They can have my sperm or my eggs. Yep. They can have my same bed. We can share a house, but they can't have my money. Yeah, I know. I know. It's, I mean, it's, it's just crazy. ridiculous. Yeah. But sadly, um, true. Mm. For and and I, I, I kind of, I do, I guess, want to bookend that because the more I talk, the more I get myself in danger. <laughs> I totally get it if, you know, I've heard of um, people in relationships that have little emergency stashes and escape funds and all that. Yep. You know, because I yep. don't know the situation of yep. a lot of family units. So, yep. yeah, go easy on us. But we're just having a chat here, everyone. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. All right, Pascal, right. thank you so much. Thank you so and much. We'll see you soon. Thank you. Bye. Bye. We acknowledge the dark and young people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits, and pay respect to their elders, past and present. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. My Millennial Money supports A21, a charity focused on abolishing slavery and human trafficking all over the world. Check out a21.org.au for more info. If you would like some other giving options, or if you're unsure about which charity you can support, head to thelifeyoucansave.org.au. This podcast is for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general financial advice only, which does not take into account your objectives, financial situation, or needs. Because of that, you should consider if the advice is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on the information. If you do choose to buy a financial product, read the product disclosure statement and obtain appropriate financial advice tailored to your needs. Simo Interactive, Proprietary Limited, the publisher of the podcast, is an authorized representative of Money Sherpa, Proprietary Limited, which holds financial services license 451289.
I run a money podcast and a lot of people are like, wow, you must know so much about the markets, investing and all that stuff. Well, the truth is I have some secret sauce. Every day I use the Australian Financial Review app as part of my subscription and it just keeps my finger on the pulse with what's happening around the world in Australia in relation to companies, politics, all the stuff. So you can also be like me. Well, you probably don't want to be like me. However, you can also get access to all the stuff that I use to prepare podcasts and keep my finger on the pulse. So if this type of analysis and information is something that you want to plug into your life, you might be thinking, what can I do? Well, you can invest in your success with a subscription to the Financial Review. Subscribe during the end of financial year sale to save 50% or more for your first three months. Visit afr.com forward slash subscribe. That's afr.com forward slash subscribe. The offer ends on 30th of June. Terms and conditions apply.